Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Ferrer. Today on the show, we have a repeat guest. And I say repeat, I mean from the Wayback Machine. Cato Pastol, CEO of Loop, was back on in episode five in April of 2018. So it's it's been a while and a few things have happened since. And I brought him on the show today to talk about how Loop has evolved, in particular, their new offering, which will be of particular interest to anyone who's trying to operate across borders. And with that, here's my interview with Cato. Cato, always a pleasure. Thanks again for having me. Good to, good to be back. Anytime, anytime, my friend. So, Cato uh, Pestol of, of Loop, tell us about Loop. Yeah, so uh, Loop is essentially an online banking and payment platform. What we do is we help companies that are operating as a Canadian business get access to banking services in other markets. So, let's say you're a Canadian e-commerce brand that's selling, you know, some type of product. Maybe you're selling on Amazon, Shopify, Stripe two businesses or two consumers in the U.S. and you're collecting U.S. dollars as revenue. What we do is we help you get us set up with local USD bank accounts and local USD cards so you can receive money in U.S. dollars and make payments in U.S. dollars as if you're a local company, but from here in Canada. So essentially what we're doing is we're helping simplify the process and operations of managing a business across borders. Excellent. And which is, if anyone's ever tried to do that across borders, you know, the funniest thing is, especially being in Canada, when we're like, oh, well, you know, TD and RBC have operate and Emo have operations. I can just go to my local branch and open up a U.S. bank account and <laughs> hard stop. No chance. All right. So um, so you guys originally were primarily focused on lending. Now you're getting into international banking. Talk about what was the impetus for identifying the opportunity there or the struggle that was there? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, funnily enough, you just mentioned going into a local bank branch. And I think that's a good uh, segue into the, a bit of the story of what I heard back in March 2020, which was really what kind of started to drive us in this direction to, to support companies through this new platform that we've launched. So beginnings of the pandemic, everything is shut down. Bank branches are still open because they're an essential service. But you know, companies are, are starting to go online, operate businesses by selling their products and services online instead of, you know, through traditional retail stores. And I'm speaking to companies at this, this point in time. So there's lots of, you know, business owners and entrepreneurs that I've built relationships with. They're launching, you know, their products and services down in the U.S. And they're like, oh, you know, I actually need a U.S bank account in order to receive my money in US dollars. So they call their bank up or they go to the bank branch, you know, here locally and they say, okay, I, I need a USD bank account. Like, what do I do? And the, the person says to them, drive down to Buffalo in the US and you're going to meet with somebody there and they'll help you get set up with the USD account. And obviously the irony here is that we're in the middle of a pandemic. You can't literally cannot drive to Buffalo because the border is, is closed at this point. And basically, other than that, they're not able to, to open up an account. They're just kind of stuck without um, being able to collect their money locally. And what that means for that company is they're actually losing as much as 5% in foreign exchange fees because when the U.S. You know, basically transfers money back to Canada and your money gets converted from U.S. to Canadian dollars, the bank does it at a super unfavorable exchange rate. So these companies basically end up receiving their money in Canadian dollars, even though they're getting paid in U.S. It comes uh-huh. across border and they lose a whole bunch of money. And so I started hearing this story over and over again from business owners who were basically starting to do more and more business in the U.S. and thought, hey, there, there has to be a better way for companies who are operating cross-border to manage their business finances other than having to drive down to Buffalo to, uh, to open up a, a, an account or have to incorporate and spend tens of thousands of dollars on the annual legal accounting and tax paperwork associated with you know, having a US LLC. So that, that was kind of the, the origin is to kind of like some of the beginning stories that we heard when, when we started setting up Loop. Yeah. And it's particularly grinding if you have sizable US expenditure as well, right? You know, if you have 
any number of software vendors only accept US dollars if you're buying materials and goods down there. It's particularly grinding to have to convert over your revenue to Canadian dollars, pay that exchange rate, only to have to convert back to pay the bill, right? And this is a form of natural, you know, this is a this form of very basic currency hedging 101 is you have a separate dollar account and you don't pay that exchange rate and you pay things in and out of that. And that makes a lot of sense. So you went looking for a solution and found that there wasn't one. No surprise. Talk to me about how you're solving for this problem. Yeah. So what we do is we basically help companies get access to local banking in different markets. So for example, in the US, we will get you access through the Loop platform to a US account number, meaning you'll get a local US account number and a routing number, which is their equivalent of a transit number if you're familiar with the Canadian banking system. So you'll basically get local account details. So when someone pays you, let's say you're selling on Amazon and Amazon wants to make their payout to you, you give Amazon those account details and you can receive those money domestically in US dollars. So no FX conversion happening there. And so that's the first part of how we solve the problem. Then now you've got your money in US dollars, you need to be able to spend that money. So we have a couple of different ways you can do that. We have the ability for you to make domestic supplier payments through the ACH network, which is basically their local payment rail. So let's say you're a company and you need to pay you know, a vendor for supplies, you need to pay a shipping company, whatever it is, a logistic company or 3PL, you can use us to basically initiate that payment directly from our platform. So you can use your US dollars to pay your suppliers at no cost whatsoever. We also have a card product, um, which is a really cool card product. It's a, it's a MasterCard branded uh, card product. And so what's unique about it, it's what's referred to or what's called a multi-currency card. And what a multi-currency card means is that normally with a card, let's say you use a Canadian bank credit card and you go and make an expense in US dollars, they will convert that expense into Canadian dollars and they'll add three and a half to 5% as a foreign exchange markup. So let's just say Canadian dollars today are 1.25 to the US dollar. So when you use your card to spend in US dollars, the bank will actually charge you 1.29 instead of 1.25 on every dollar that you spend. With a multi-currency card, not only are there no fees, but there's actually no conversion either. So when you spend in US dollars using our card, your balance actually gets reflected in US dollars. When you spend in Canadian, it gets reflected in Canadian. When you spend in British pounds, it gets reflected in British pounds. So we actually give you the ability to act as if you're spending money domestically by spending, you know, when you spend in that currency, that gets added to that actual currency balance. So that's why it's called a multi-currency card product. And obviously for companies that are operating cross-border, that's super valuable for the reason that, that you said before, which is you want to match your revenue and expenses to each other. You don't want to convert your revenue back into Canadian dollars and then convert Canadian dollars back into the other currency. If you're earning U.S. dollars, why not just keep it in U.S. dollars, um, both from a revenue and a spend perspective? Yeah, there's uh, a there's few hustles more uh, opaque than uh, than currency conversion. I'll say that much. <laughs> um, yeah. So, all right. So basically, you went about this. Now, how do you get around the challenge of, of basically not someone not having to register down there? Is it just being registered? Like, so there's some sort of sub to your company or how does this work? So there are now uh, banks in the U.S that will open up accounts for uh, non-US residents. The way that we basically do that is we are helping kind of facilitate all the KYC, KYB processes uh, required to onboard that customer. So we actually have quite a robust infrastructure that we've built having kind of run this business for the last seven years. We've been able to kind of automate the account opening process in terms of like, you know, customer verification, ID collection, all that type of stuff that's required to, you know, verify a customer. So um, believe it or not, you can do this digitally. 
digitally and you can do it digitally effectively, contrary to what maybe some uh, FIs might tell you. So what we've been able to do is prove you can do that through a digital process for Canadians transfer that information over to our U.S. bank partners. And so they are able, actually able, able to open up those accounts for Canadians, which in actual fact, many Canadian banks still can't do today, but U.S. can do that. U.S. banks can do that for Canadian companies. So contrary to what financial institutions will tell you today. Yes, no kidding. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, these people just learned what DocuSign was about two years ago. And I love the fact that we can actually, it's easier for to digitally set up a bank account in the state. <laughs> digitally than there is it is to set up a canadian one in canada that is just ah uh, god why do i live here all right um, so, <laughs> do, you need, do you need a minute here <laughs> i might need a minute i need a minute almost every week now um so okay so that's the situation there so you so you basically a bottom line is you're just being held to their kyc aml standards right whether you're Correct. there or not doesn't matter they just want to make sure these people are who they are and that they're not you know some money laundering business so it's same as which which makes sense all you do is comply to their rules so in a lot of ways you're an outsourced branch of theirs and you meet all their criteria exactly right and so from a customer perspective they're able to get the benefit though of getting that local usd account which right now is really challenging for them to get right like you you've either got to incorporate there or you've got to be a super big business with you know significant negotiating power to actually get the bank to do this for you. But the vast majority of companies here are just simply not able to access those domestic banking services. And so by doing this, what's most important is we save companies time and money. We save them time because we offer all of this in one platform that's really easy to use. We save them money because we give all of this away for free, actually. So we, we give them the ability to open up their USD accounts, get USD cards, and manage all their expenses through Loop without costing them a, a so we also have, you know, additional benefits, things like, you know, rewards and stuff like that for, for using our card products. So it's definitely a, an attractive proposition for, for companies. Absolutely. Okay. So you've just gone, as of the recording of this, you've just gone live with this product, correct? Correct. Yeah. Early cases of testers thus far, what was the feedback? Yeah. So, I mean, companies have really been loving the Loop product so far. We've actually had people like post about us recently on, on Twitter and social media accounts talking about how much money they're saving, like comparing how much money they're saving with Loop versus like their bank cards that they were using before. So, you know, as I was mentioning before, with a typical card, banks will add a three, 5% markup. So like for a business that's spending $100,000 on ads, which is not uncommon, especially with e-commerce businesses, that's $3,000 to $5,000 a month that they're losing in these foreign exchange charges, right? Just on the spend side, that's not even uh, factoring the, the foreign exchange charges on the receiving the money. So customers are, are delighted specifically about the fact that they're saving a huge amount of money on every dollar that they're spending in non-Canadian currency. So, you know, that, that, that we've actually had, <laughs> I've seen people comparing how much money they're saving on a monthly basis by by switching over to Loop from their current um, offering. So that's one thing that we've helped with. The other thing is we've also helped companies that were maybe apprehensive about going to the US because they were like, I don't want to deal with the paperwork of incorporating, mm. dealing with taxes and accounting and all this stuff and in terms of setting up a US business. And you know, when they learned about the fact that we could help them manage their business in that jurisdiction without having to deal with all that paperwork and ongoing annual hassles and filings. That was a huge impetus for them to then go and expand their business cross-border. So, you know, we're doing this right now. The main use cases for Canada, Ukrainian businesses expanding to the U.S., but our goal is really to help businesses anywhere who want to manage their business cross-border, manage their finances in, in multiple jurisdictions. So, you know, Canadians operating in the U.K., U.K. businesses operating in the U.S. The goal is for Loop to really be a global banking platform. Excellent. 
know, you just got to get things working the opposite way where American companies can more easily set up to receive money here and be compliant. Cause you know, as a, you know, you know what it's like, we go to buy something and say, like, Oh, sorry, we don't ship the can. And you're like, <laughs> what did I spend 20 minutes for? But absolutely. So, okay. So great. I mean, frankly, it's a win-win across the board. You basically, you basically made it easier to deal with something that was a major pain in the butt before allowing for potentially companies to expand into a jurisdiction without the burden of the, well, what was, was the least the perceived if not actual burden of the, of the administrative hassle of getting something like this going. And you're, costing them less so yeah that's, yeah that's like the definition of fintech better <laughs> faster cheaper right so excellent yeah i mean so not only we cost them less we've also like really taken a lot of time to understand like what the challenges are that our specific customer base faces so for example like working capital is a big thing for you know online businesses and e-commerce brands because you're buying inventory now you're waiting you know 60 to 90 days for that inventory to arrive you know, the last couple of years, that's been more like 150 to 180 days for that inventory to arrive. And then only at that point, are you then able to then market and then sell those goods? So there's a huge cash negative kind of working capital gap that companies have to deal with whenever they're operating in this kind of market. And so we really learned that. And so we've actually already been building product to support with that as well to supplement kind of the, the kind of banking and card offering that we have. So for example, with our card, when you spend money on the card, you actually get 55 days of interest-free spending. So we basically mm-hmm. offer that first 55 days of working capital that you have for zero cost to you as a merchant. So we basically give that to you as a, as a benefit of using our card product. And in doing so, we help partially alleviate that working capital gap that companies have. We also have recently launched a couple of financing products. So we have like a PO financing product. So if companies are selling to larger retailers in the US, we understand that there's a working capital gap associated with you know producing that order, getting the inventory manufactured, shipping it down to the US, and then getting paid. So we're also helping companies access the financing that they need to do those types of things. So instead of it being, you know, our, our original model that we spoke about, you know, back in 2018 was very much, you know, focused on individual business financing for kind of growth or expansion purposes. We've gotten really niche down and are really focusing on a specific segment of the market, which is cross-border and helping not just with their cross-border banking, but with all their cross-border financing needs too. Interesting. I mean, and specifically around the working capital piece, I mean, first off, anything that uh, reduces a company's need for working capital is a fantastic thing in my book. And for those of you who have a, don't really quite comprehend it, my other podcast, Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners, I actually just finished a multi-part series on understanding your accounting. And one of those was an episode on working capital and optimization. So take a listen there for tips. And in addition to that, I mean, it's it's interesting. So 55 days. So that is, this is something that's come up with other guests of the podcast. There's all kinds of businesses out there to do invoice financing uh, for when essentially you need to, you sell something online, you need to buy the good, or you have a 30-day lead time before Amazon or Shopify pays you. I mean, if you're basically offering 55 days in ter- 55-day terms, and lending, that's fantastic because now you've basically taken out the need for that in a lot of cases, or at least to the extent to which you'll lend. Yeah, exactly. Right. And there's many expensive financing options in the market right now to bridge that gap. And you know, yeah. not, not only are we saying it's not just we'll give it to you for low cost, we're actually giving it to you for no cost. So you can use our product and finance that working capital gap and save a ton of money. And, you know, there are some personal products that do this, like there's some personal credit cards and stuff. Mm-hmm. Problem with those products is they are like usually really low limit. So it, like unless you're just getting started out, 
you know, the bank's only going to give you $10,000, $20,000 as a credit limit. But because we adjudicate and underwrite off of the business's data, so we're under, this is a business product, it's not a consumer product, it's not a personal product, it's, it's tied to the business. So if you're doing, you know, a lot of top line revenue, we're going to give you a limit that's reflective of that. And we're not going to say like, oh, your personal income is low. So we can't give you a decent sized credit limit, which is what a lot of you know, typical personal credit cards do and that type of thing. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, you built that system for the peer-to-peer lending already, right? Yeah. So I mean, you're just deploying it in a different angle. It makes a lot of sense. And yeah, so if you're able to get those limits higher, I'm already thinking of people to send to you now. This is fantastic. <laughs> no, that is that is incredibly useful because they said, you know, you said they're high cost. It's not unusual. Those those types of invoice financing, you know, loans are are in double digits. And if you're rapidly growing, you know, it's worth paying for. But if there's a free alternative, then yeah, it's it's something you should absolutely take up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, at the end of the day, our goal is to very much solve the kind of day-to-day financial pain points that these companies solve, uh, you know, uh, are facing. And so that extends beyond just credit. It extends beyond just banking. At the end of the day, if we're going to build meaningful, lasting relationships with companies and want them to stick around and use our products for, you know, not just a short period of time, but for the long term, we want to give value before we ask companies to give us value back, right? And so that, that's really our philosophy in terms of this product and how we, we're building things with Loop is we, we really want to demonstrate a lot of value to customers in this segment by giving them a lot of embedded value in our products from, from from the get-go. Well, it sounds like there is a lot from the get-go. And given the fact that you have a lot of history in the lending space, I can see that, you know, the the knock-on products and everything else that you can offer puts you it's interesting. You're not you're not a challenger bag per se. You're like a cross-border challenger bank to some degree, but you've got the lending chops that other people didn't. So that's that's an interesting play. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I mean like just kind of big picture taking a step back. There's a lot of people who help with like kind of cross-border payments from the perspective of like getting paid. In different yeah. currencies, so you know, there's lots of like acquirers or merchant, you know, processors who basically will help you collect money in different currencies, like by charging your customers in different currencies. But it kind of stops there. So it's like, okay, I've now billed someone in U.S. dollars, but now what? Like, how do I actually collect those U.S. dollars? Where do I put them? How do I make payments with that? So like, the it's kind of just assumed that the banking piece was solved, but the reality is that for most companies, it's not solved. Um, there's no real way for them to manage their, their finances in other currencies. So we realized that this was a huge market opportunity for, for us. And, and that's definitely something that, you know, we're going to continue to invest in because there's, there's lots and lots of companies who are doing business cross-border and there's no reason they shouldn't be able to access the same or better quality banking services in other markets as they do back home domestically. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, there's reasons, just not good ones. Anyway, so... <laughs> which we'll talk about off here. So uh, before we wrap up, this is something that wasn't around, I think, back in episode six. Okay, so I asked three questions to wrap it up and get you anything on a positive note. First one is, if you had one wish for something you can change in your company, the industry as a whole, what would it be? Sorry, the, so the question is, in, in, in our history as a whole, if there's one no, thing? No, sorry, in, the, in, your, in, the, in your company or the industry as a whole? Oh, in the industry as a whole. Good question. Yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately businesses should be able to access lower cost capital to grow their company. I think there's way too much of a gap, a structural gap between the capital that small companies are able to access and large companies are able to access. And that's really driven by a market inefficiency more than a, a risk equation. I've been seeing that for many years as, as we've built this business. So, I mean, for me, if, if there's one thing that I, I wish for us to be able to change, it's that companies who you know are building great businesses, but maybe just aren't big businesses, 
should still be able to access the same quality of services that larger companies are, are able to access. And that's really a lot of, of what our mission is about. You know, whether it's lending, whether it's cross-border services, make all of the same things that big companies get to benefit from available to smaller companies. Have you seen what the minimum revenue numbers required for commercial banking are these days, my friend? <laughs> yeah, we're it's, it's the needle's moving way off in the other direction, that's for sure. So unfortunately. So, okay, so that's the first question. The second question has been, what's been the biggest challenge in the company to where it is today? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> navigating a pivot during a pandemic has to be the answer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we had built a, a really solid business model based on on back when when we spoke last time, first time I came on the podcast, and I think it was definitely a really challenging year, 2020, because we had built a great business, we had thousands of clients using our, our our platform, happy businesses and happy investors, and unfortunately, the pandemic came around. Nobody could have controlled that. Obviously, that was that was a, a Black Swan event that, that occurred. But the outcome of that was definitely difficult to manage because there was so much uncertainty at the time as to what the government was going to do, how they might you know, support small businesses, how maybe they might support service providers like us, the small businesses. And the realization that we have to basically forge a new path forward and almost start from the beginning was, was not an easy one. So a lot of challenges in terms of doing that, making difficult decisions, um, guiding our team through that. Definitely the hardest thing I've ever had to do personally. But you know, I, I think we've come out of it on the other side stronger than, than going in. And that's that's the best that we could have potentially hoped for, but it definitely was no easy journey that we've kind of shaped through over the last couple of years. I hear you. It's, uh, it's enough to make anyone tap out, but you came out stronger, so I can hope for. But one correction. Nicholas Nassim Taleb himself says it wasn't a black swan. It was a white swan. It's a known, it's a known danger. So uh, yeah, he gets very quickly about that. Anyway, so last question is, uh, what keeps you getting up in the morning every day to keep on fighting the good fight? I mean, it's, it's, this has been quite the challenge since we first met, especially because, again, the market shifted out from under you overnight with the pandemic. So how do you, what keeps you going? Yeah, the impact that we make on businesses. Like when, when I hear things like businesses that started out with us uh, with a few thousand dollars in revenue and, and we help them get access to more capital so they could grow it to tens of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars. It, it's super energizing. It's super exciting to see how much companies grow as a result of kind of what we're able to provide. I mean, there, there's stories. There's actually one of our first customers that we ever had lending loops. So this was like, you know, back in like 2015, seven years ago, was a guy uh, selling um, knives on Amazon out of his basement. And I mean, knives like kitchen knives, just to be clear, like, you know, like you cook, cooking utensils. And what else yeah. was I going to assume? But, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but like interesting side ho- hobby hustle. He needed capital for inventory. No one would give it to him. Like the bank like lost him out of the, the, the room. They were like, are you, are you kidding me? Like you're, looking for, for, for financing for your, your e-commerce knife business, like get out of here. Those knives can't be sold online? Give me <laughs> so we helped that company and that company um, has come back many times. They're now a customer of our new loop platform because they operate in multiple jurisdictions. We've given them you know millions of dollars worth of capital and they've been great, able to grow to a $20 million plus a year business. So, I mean, seeing stories like that are so motivating to know how much, like that company, not to take any credit away from the founder of the business, obviously, that, they, that they're 100% responsible for their own success, but the impact we were able to have by supporting them when nobody else would is is obviously a really exciting thing that, that, that keeps me going every day. And when you hear stories like that, or you get the, the praise or the thanks from, from founders that we're able to support, there's nothing better than that. 
no doubt. I mean, you're, uh, yeah, you're helping and giving them the lifeblood of their business. So I can, I can see that. Absolutely. So Kato, thank you again. Great to have you on. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. Always get to check in and, uh, and give the update and yeah, who knows what will be, uh, another four years from now, right? I'll bring you back every four years. How about that? <laughs> All right. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much. So that was today's episode of FinTech Impact. Hope you enjoyed that. And if you're a small business looking for easier access to banking in the US and foreign exchange, then please check out Loop. As always, if you enjoyy this podcast, busy review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever is it your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.